Welcome back to Character Concerns. Jay Bailey with Chris Uno, Sarah. Nick Schwartz stepped out for just a second. I think, I, th- he- I think he forgot that this is a short break. Well, I think he did, and I think he's looking for Lucas Van Ness's dad. He got some beef with him. He said, no, he's like, I'm going to book you guys as guest. You know, you guys want to talk to him? He was like, yeah. It's a really short turnaround there. Oh, sorry about that, Chris. <laughs> it's probably worse for the listener. That, that was the love tap, right? <laughs> that was, was a- oh, that was way more than a love tap there. Hey, by the way, thanks to uh, Lance sending us the 2024 mock. Keep that energy, Lance. Hold that energy. There's zero. There's no way I'm doing a, a mock for 2024 in uh, two days after the draft ended. No way. I mean, I wouldn't rule it out quite yet. We'll see what my week looks like. I mean, you know, by I, I, I ain't got the podcast. time for that, man. I, may, I gotta recover from this whole draft process. I may hit a lull on Wednesday, get a little bored. Around two or three o'clock. I'm not doing that. Just fire, just just to fire one off, see how it feels. We got a podcast for that. Yeah, that's right. Character concerns. <laughs> the twenty. <laughs> next time we do a 2024 too. mock. Let's do 25 too. Let's do them both. I don't, I don't know Let's if I'm. Two. I don't know if I'm quite ready for that. That way we can sit there and go. Well, two years ago we had this guy in the third round. You know, you look at this draft class. Seven guys. They initially went into the draft with ten picks. They come out with seven players, and there's two things that that kind of stood out to me, guys. First one is the aggression. You trade up in the second, third, and fourth rounds to get the player that you wanted. Thought that was that, that showed that hey, we knew they weren't going to add ten players to this roster. There's not ten holes on this roster. You go out, you add seven guys, and you target the guys that you want. But I look at the positions that they came away with in this draft class, specifically, and we talked about this a little bit on Saturday. First three rounds, they come away with. Edge rusher, wide receiver, offensive tackle. And the day after the Super Bowl ended, or the day that we, we first started doing this podcast back in late February, if I would have asked you guys, hey, what are the positions that you think the Chiefs will be starting? You would have said edge rusher, wide receiver, and offensive tackle. And seldom do you find a team's draft strategy to be so predictable, but in this case... I found it to be like refreshingly predictable because they went out with their most valuable picks and got positions where there are going to be open competitions for playing time this year. I just love what they did, especially at the top of this class. Yeah, and I would have been shocked had you told me that uh, five out of seven picks, not that they had seven picks. That was not shocking me. That's about, but would I, would you have been shocked if it was some five out of seven picks, our defense? That they went after seven out of ten the year before. I mean, it's a clear directive. This is what they want to do. Do the math. They have seven out of what is that? What is that? Uh, math. Twelve out of seventeen. Is that right? Yeah. yeah you're, the best, right. you're the best. The you're the math guy here. I'm not the math guy. Then we're actually. done. With I I I was not good at math. With the calculator, we're good. Okay, then Bink's good. Bink's our guy. Yeah, I'm Bink's not, our no, guy. No, 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 not a math guy. Not a math <laughs> we need guy. a designated math guy, but it's not yeah, going to be, be me. You. you got glasses. You're the only one here wearing glasses. <laughs> I got a calculator. Okay, so 12 out of 17 players the last two years have been defensive players, and in, if I would have told you in the in the Andy Reid Patrick Mahomes era that they were going to make this sort of emphasis on adding youth to the defense. I probably would have been a little surprised because you think Mahomes, Reed, give them weapons, give them guys to build an offense around, but they're clearly going into this draft the last two years trying to get younger on defense. And it was very obvious last year. We knew it going in, but maybe that's a signal that they understand getting younger on defense is a cool tagline, but you can't accomplish it in one year. Yeah. And the one thing about it too is 
I mean, we're, there's only three starters one on this roster. Thanks, Tex, on this one, too. There's actually four guys on the roster over 30. It's incredible because Austin Ryder's technically on the roster. But they're a young team. But they have all those guys on rookie contracts, just like you asking uh, the question, Nick, to be in the show, talking about, all right, well, who's got the second contract? Think about this. Five-year options on Trim McDuffie and Karloftis. You've got both bookends on defense under rookie contracts. You've got that secondary under rookie contracts. I mean, this whole team is about first contract, but they're young. A couple of years ago, Chiefs were one of the oldest teams in the NFL. And then the postseason last year, one of the youngest, yeah. now the youngest. But they have shifted too young. They flipped this roster right in front of our eyes uh, with Mahomes and the guys that were here before Mahomes because four guys remain on this roster pre-Mahomes. But they have flipped this. But at one point, what are you saying? All right, I thought this was the year for offense. Is it next year you say, all right, this is the year they go get offense and get a tight end? Is next year going to be the offensive draft? I don't know, but they've been so um, – well, they, they went up to, what, 12th in total defense last year. So they made an effort, and they got good. I do think having Joe Tooney and free agencies helped. They drafted well in this offensive line with Humphrey and Trey Smith. They can afford to just go defense now because of how many hits they have on offense. Chris, do you think this is a continuation of, of what they were started to do last year in trying to get younger on defense? Yeah, I mean, look, Mahomes has not had a lot of support from his defenses throughout his career. This was by far the best defense that they had for Patrick Mahomes. And it really helped them at the end of the year, especially in that championship game when all these receivers went down and you needed your defense to step up and prevent Joe Burrow from being able to march down the field and get a game-winning score. And that's exactly what happened. And you gave your offense just the tiniest chance to make this miraculous push down the field for a game-winning field goal, and it worked, and you won the game, and then two weeks later, you were champions. I, I, I think that this is how the team has to operate, where you're trusting that Mahomes is going to make talent around him better, and we saw that last year. We saw them go out there and be able to utilize all these different receivers. Nobody was a real number one aside from Kelsey, and that worked because you were spreading the ball around and things looked way different. I think they would like to get back to a point where they do have a true number one wide receiver, but I don't feel like they're in that rush where they feel like they need to just desperately try and push for it. I think they're, they'd much rather build their defense back up, have something to lean on so that they can give their offense a little bit of leeway, a little bit of slack, so they don't have to go out there and, and play perfectly all the time because it's really hard to continuously score as many points as the Chiefs have been scoring in today's NFL, especially when you have so much pressure from other quarterbacks out there trying to score. And on top of that, teams are now starting to play you a lot more conservatively so that they prevent you from getting those big plays. That's a great point. I think they're looking at the, the other AFC quarterbacks, which the AFC is loaded with great quarterbacks, saying we have to find a way to stop them. They're doing that, counteracting with the defensive backs in line. But eventually this will be a shift to the offense because – the offense is what this team is about. It is. And they feel comfortable with what they have. And I still think Mahomes beating the Bengals with Jody Fordson and Noah Gray out there running wide receiver routes, even though they're tight ends. Justin Watson did MVS, MVS having the game of his life. MVS had the game, the game of his life. Juju's out. Kadarius Tony's out. Justin Watson was sick and didn't play. And to go out and win like that, that was a top five Mahomes moment. If not the number one thing we've ever seen from Mahomes beating the Bengals with you and Chris at wide receiver. Yeah, I think that's what it's funny you talk about the, those two teams specifically, the Bills and the Bengals, because they are the contemporaries in the AFC or the, I mean, the next teams knocking on the door in the AFC. 
And the Bills have been outright about the fact that they have been building to beat the Chiefs. They have said as much. They have been trying to build a defense and build a pass rush that can slow down the Chiefs' offense. The Bengals, I think theirs was a little bit more organic. They bottomed out. They nailed two draft picks in Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. That'll get you a long way. Then all of a sudden, they start to, they've started to find themselves in a position to be more aggressive in free agency. The Chiefs, on the other hand, have been and continue to be the aggressors. You know, last year, going into the season, it felt like it was maybe a bit of a recalibration. Okay, you lost some guys on defense. You're bringing in a lot of youth. Meanwhile, it seems like the Bengals and the Bills are sort of hitting their strides. And then we get to the end of the year, and what happens? The Chiefs win the Super Bowl. And now you go into this draft class again, and you say, the Chiefs aren't building to to necessarily beat anyone. Like, yeah, they're they're adding defense to slow those offenses down, but they're also just adding guys on defense because they just need better players on defense. I don't think they're looking at any of these guys to say, well, this is what we need to beat the Bills, or this is what we need to beat the Bengals. It's just... This is what we need to continue to be the class of the NFL. I think it's what separates the Chiefs from all these teams that win and then disappear, like the Rams disappear, the Buccaneers disappeared. Brett Veach, after that Super Bowl win over the Niners, had made the comment, and paraphrasing here, that, yeah, when you win a title as a GM, you think, okay, I've hit my pinnacle, I've hit the best. But he's like, no, I want more. Yeah, A.D. Reid wants more. Patrick Mahomes wants more. And they're doing it with the draft. Like, other teams would just be happy, I think, to win the Lombardi. And go home, have a pray. Yeah, yeah, we won like Buffalo. If Buffalo wins it, that's going to be done. They're, they're going to be done because they've won the title. The Chiefs are not satisfied with one. They want more. It's why they're drafting for the future and building this team up so young because they want long haul. You want this team to be good for the long haul. That's why the Chiefs are poised to be in this dynasty because they're so young and they've drafted so well. We can't forget that supplanting all those late-round picks and not spending all that money in free agency, you're doing it on the cheap. That's what the Chiefs have done because they've been better than everybody else. Well, the beautiful thing, too, is if you draft well, then that money that you hand out theoretically can be to the guys that you drafted. You keep your own talent. Like I'm looking at I'm looking at the current like the next crop of guys. They have a decision to make on Legereus Sneed. They're about to make Chris Jones the second highest paid defensive tackle in football next year. I would imagine Creed Humphrey is going to be the highest paid center in football, right? Maybe Trey Smith is going to get a new contract. Maybe Nick Bolton gets a new deal. And you know what? They're thinking proactively. How are we going to pay all these guys when the check comes due? And you won't pay all of them. You won't pay all of them. But going cheap helps them do that. But it's a much better situation to be in when you are, instead of looking at like the the best available free agents to re-sign, you can just look at the guys that are already in your locker room and say, we know they fit. We know they're good. We know they're good teammates. Like, that is a culture. When coaches throw around the word culture, Chris, like, that is what culture means in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. It's always good to have chemistry with your players. I think chemistry is so undervalued in sports. I mean, we see it all the time in the NBA where you get these super teams put together where it's just, like, random trades or, or free agent signings, and then we always wonder, well, why didn't this work? And it's because they didn't really fit well together on the court because chemistry is so important. And that's one of the things I think is so undervalued about this Chiefs team, especially on the offensive side. You know, people ask questions, how are they able to win without Tyreek Hill? And it's like because Patrick and all those guys in that receiving core took time in the offseason outside of team activities to come together and to work on their chemistry, work on timing, 
and figure out how are we going to tackle this. And that's the reason why there were so many people involved in the rotation for the Chiefs throughout the season because they did not have a deep rotation in previous years. Previous years, we were like, who's going to be the number three guy? Is it McColl? Is it someone else? We were always asking that question. But, like, last year we didn't have to worry about that because even when McColl was missing games due to injury, you had other guys who were stepping up and contributing because they had taken the time to build up that chemistry with Mahomes. So very important what they're doing in the offseason the last couple years. 100% and the Chiefs are doing it, not the play cage. Just like the clip we played of Vet Beach. Well, yeah, Clark wanted to make the pick, but we could have traded back and we were willing to do it. you got to be willing to do it because beforehand, this is this when the Chiefs got stuck. They placated to the fan base. That's why they gave Priest Holmes that extra contract. Even though they had Larry Johnson in the fold from the first round, they still gave Priest all that money. That's when you get stuck. It's like what Herm Edwards once said. You pay the guys with the arrows up. You do not pay them if it's sideways and down. You don't do it. But a lot of teams are doing it because they're fan favorites. And we got to move on. The Chiefs separate business from personal. They, they panic, right? You got to do we got to do something now. That's we got to be good that's now. That's what they do. They're able to separate and not placate everybody. On the text line 9137610, which draftee would you pick as a tag team partner to take on and beat the morning show with Bob Fesco? I would just take Keandre Coburn and then I would Snacks not, 100%. I would take Snacks. snacks. I wouldn't and, even have uh, to, you then, wouldn't even have to fight. Snacks would do uh, all the work. I would just sit Oh yeah, I would sit on the side and smoke a cigarette. I'm Actually, like, hey, go get them Snacks. Hey, B-Dub, take, hey, B-Dub text. Lucas Van dad. Yeah, B-Dub text in, says, Bink multitasking, dipping, downing the bangs, and tapping the mic like old boy's dad tapping his girl's ass. Like, of all the guys, <laughs> I would take him. I would take him to beat the morning show. You know uh, people are going to be fight. making jokes about his dad all the time on Twitter He's every time to deal he makes with a play. No, I love it. It's going to be tough. He's got to deal with his dad hey, walking in the locker live. room and everybody's worried about That's their wife your or girlfriend getting your girl ass. Live with the consequences of your actions, boys. He is Jay Binkley, Chris and O'Sara. I'm Nick Schwartz. This is Character Concerns on 610 Sports Radio. This is an NFL draft special with the Character Concerns podcast crew. Subscribe and download today on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 610 Sports Radio. If you'd like to join the show, you can do so on our text line, 913-586-7610. I am Nick Schwartz with Chris and Ocero, Jay Binkley. This is Character Concerns, talking NFL draft tonight. Well, since B-Dub is listening, the trash can has been cleaned. I put out in the hallway, restocked it with some uh, fresh uh, bang cans for you guys. Wait, you've already? I've already done it. It was for clean. For clean. You know, you should be taking that trash can out every night. Because I think, I'm not, not to point fingers here. Why? I want them to come in. I'm welcoming. Not to point fingers, but I think that you probably, you account for 85 to 90% of the trash that accumulates in that Well, Bob can. just keeps it out there in the hallway the whole time. Yeah, that's the nice thing to Every do. Every day. That's the nice thing to do. You know, I come in one day, this is a couple of weeks ago. Actually, it wasn't even me. It was B-Dub who came in in the morning, and somebody on Sunday had thrown their steak and shake like they'd gotten Steak and Shake, which is right down the road from us. Oh, they had man. thrown the, the fast food bag and just left it in the trash can so in the B-Dub producer's booth. So B-Dub comes in. Oh, oh in w- the trash can in, in, in here? here? In the room you're in. Oh, no. And so a, I walk in. I walk in at like 8 o'clock, and his door's propped open. I go, what are you doing with the door open? And he was so mad. He was red ass. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, somebody threw the Steak and Shake away, and it stinks like bleep in here. He's like, I don't know who was in here yesterday, but they just threw like half a cheeseburger and French fries in the trash can. I go, that's pretty flagrant. 
I don't that's think I think that's from Saturday. And I think I know that's who it even is. worse. I think I know who it is, and I you ain't know snitching. What? I ain't snitching. You know what? Because I ain't no snitch. I know who it is as well, and I'm not gonna snitch either. I ain't snitching. But you know who you are, sir. You know who if you're listening, you know who you are. Don't do that again. Well, it's not that hard to just figure out who's working <laughs> over the weekend. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you just look at the schedule and say, Well, okay, looks like it was this guy. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. I always rule of thumb if you're gonna if you're gonna eat food or whatever in here. There's a trash can outside the studio. Never leave your studio food in here because I got on bink we don't ones. want to smell that. I got on bink ones. We're out in the bullpen, and he he throws throws a chaw in the trash can. I go, no, that's got. I said, no, bink. I said that needs to be contained. You can't go raw chaw into yep. the trash can. Yep, it needs to be inside something because the fumes. Yeah. the fumes that's are why pungent. I never eat agree. in the bullpen. Nice. I don't. Eat, I try not to eat in the bullpen. It's, it's a pleasant said, smell. He already said, oh. Oh, it feels, it smells nice. Like, it's like, yeah, like it's chewing gum. There used mouthwash. to be a producer here no. that would eat Cheetos when he worked. He had Cheetos all over the equipment. Did he? I'm not going to mention the name. Who was this? I'm not going to mention it, but hey, it was Chris, hilarious. We Chris, thought it was do me funny. a favor. Look down at the keyboard right in front of you. Look how disgusting that thing is. Oh, it's gr- All the stuff in here is gross. Yeah, don't take a shower I've been, after every I've shift been, I work. I've been advocating for us to get new equipment in here for years. If yeah, you during the a, pandemic, you, you start there a with petition, I'll suits. sign it. I'll, said, I'll sign a petition if you start it. Yeah, I mean, I'm. You can sign. You can start the petition. You work. You're you're here more than I am. So you, you've been here longer. So you've got tenure. Yeah, but you're here more. Yeah. So you can just do it, and then I'll sign off on it. I just as long as I don't have to get my email or my phone number on it. I mean, <laughs> dude. I mean, you you know what, man? How how much does it cost to buy a new keyboard? I'm not. No. 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 You're not about <laughs> to buy a new cave keyboard. <laughs> No, you're not about to I'm do not that. I'm not saying I'm not. No, I'm not saying I'm going to buy it. I'm saying somebody, like, come on. Just pony up and get it for us. I mean, we still have Windows 7 on some of these computers in here. So, yeah. yeah. We're, uh, we're not exactly, you know, we're not thriving in the in the modern, you know, yeah, 21st century. 2023, but, but we got we're 2003 We're getting there technology. eventually. And you know who is thriving in 2023? The Kansas City Chiefs. That draft class they just pulled together. Seven players. Seven players in all. They went in with 10 picks. That's they a come, pro right there. They what did he come out. What did he drown? Yeah, that's right. They come One, out. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> I love it. Uh, set them up and knock them down, man. I don't know if this draft class is going to be judged based off of immediate contributions. I think this draft class is going to be judged based off where are we at in two years? Where are we at in three years? Who has become a rotational player? Who has become an every down starter, right? That is what I think we're going to look back on this draft class. It's not going to be like last year where we're going to get to the end of the rookie year and say, whoa, 80% of these guys were starting by the end of the season. All of them were playing in the Super Bowl. That class, 2022, will always be an outlier in a very positive way. But that doesn't mean that this class can't be just as successful in a different way. I I feel like this was the depth draft. This was the draft where you weren't necessarily drafting a bunch of guys who were going to come in from day one and start. You were drafting a bunch of guys that add depth to positions where you needed it. And by year two or three, we could be talking about some of the better players on this roster. Yeah, I'm with you on that. But last year's draft class was one of my favorite all time for the Chiefs, only because they were tasked to perform, and they did. Like, they needed those guys, or they're not world champions. Like, those guys parlayed themselves into a world championship. We'll see what these guys do as far as – I do like the Chiefs being proactive. And, again, it's just who's going to replace who. Like, I, it was one of these – Shamari Connor. you see this is Sneed. I mean, you see – you look at these – and say, all right, who are the Chiefs going to be replacing in this situation? But Coburn, I see uh, snacks. 
you know, Big help, snacks. helping this team out right away. Several of these guys I can see in special teams right away, like a Connor. Um, maybe Nick Jones. I mean, who knows? I, I don't see. I see Connor right now. Or B.J. Thompson could help out in special teams because he's a uh, big-time uh, blocker of kicks. So I could see him getting a chance. But last year's, those guys, <laughs> there wasn't training wheels on those guys, man. They, yeah. they, were, they were asked to perform now. I they I don't think they pushed those guys out too early. I think they did a good job of realizing, okay, we've got talent that probably can play way earlier than we thought. But I think they were more than prepared to not rush those guys out there if they didn't need to. Um, I, I hope that people don't judge this draft class with the same way that we judged last year's draft class. And if those guys don't come in and immediately are impact guys, all of a sudden you got people out here deeming them failures or something. Cause like last year's draft class was not something that ever happens really. Like it was, I think the last time we saw a team have that many rookies play that many games was the 81 49ers. And before that, it was the 74 Steelers. You don't see teams have that many rookies play that many games. It's just not something that you you see happen. So I hope that there is some nuance in how we talk about this 23 class because I feel like what's happening is, what's going to happen is you're going to have fans who are going to be like, oh, this that 22 class was so amazing. And we had all these guys who played, who were major contributors. And then you look at the 23 class and you might have two or three of them, probably three of them, I think, that are going to be regular contributors on the team. And then everyone else is going to be trying to work their way up there. So I, I hope that we are patient with this class because it's very different from last year's class. But you know, it's funny because while, while you, were, you, you brought up last year and rushing guys out and that not necessarily being the case, them just winning those jobs, I went back, I referenced earlier in the show, Nate Taylor's piece that he just put out on The Athletic, which you should go check out. Where Great he kind of gives Great his work. he gives his projection for the depth chart next year, and so I was like, oh, I wonder what he did last year this time, and he did. You know, almost a year ago to the date, Nate posted the post draft depth chart for last season, and I'm not like clowning on Nate. I think we were all in this boat, but like I look at running back, and he had Isaiah Pacheco, uh, Isaiah Pacheco fourth, yeah, behind Clyde. Behind Ronald Jones and behind Derek Gore. We did not leave the draft thinking, oh, Pacheco's going to compete for a starting job right away. Same thing with both those rookie corners. McDuffie, we thought, would play right away. But in the case of Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson, he had him listed behind LeJarius Sneed, Rashad Fenton, Trent McDuffie, DeAndre Baker. Like, we didn't think those guys were going to play a factor at all. And then you get into camp, they all get on the field together, and you say, oh, okay, well, you know, like in the case of Joshua Williams, he's a little bit taller. He's a little bit bigger. He's a little rangier. Like Jalen Watson, he's got some good ball skills on him. Out of nowhere, too. Out of nowhere. And then you say, you start looking at the other guys, and you go, oh, God, Rashad Fenton gets beat a lot. I, I think Pacheco like, might be a yeah, – he might yeah, actually right. play this year. You're like, man, this guy's got some juice to him. He's a bit of a thumper. And you just kind of go through it like that. It's not as though you're drafting him on draft day saying, I can't believe we just got the running back of the future. That's not what happens. They're not drafting these dudes thinking, whoa, Jalen Watson. Like, I mean, he's going to take, he's going to take uh, Rashad. Fent- he's going to make him indispensable in year one, but you get them out to training camp. You get him in r- rookie OTAs. And all of a sudden you're like, there's something here. And then as time goes on, you give them a little bit more responsibility. You see what they do with it. What was it? Week three. When Jalen Watson housed that pick week two, Mm -hmm. when he housed that pick versus the Chargers to effectively seal the game, and then two more in the postseason. I mean, so it just like goes to show, no matter what we think these guys' roles are going to be this year, who we think's going to play, who we think isn't, 
we were we were way off on a lot of these guys last it's year. It's why these grades are ridiculous at this point because, again, with Isaiah Pacheco, you're going back and looking at Rutgers films, saying why this guy three and a half yards of carry. He's good, but they don't. But they evaluate, and they know. And I'll give the front office a ton of credit. I think Brett Veach is the best general manager in football and lists that have, like, Howie Roseman or somebody that, you know, trending ahead of him. I do like Howie Roseman, what he's doing. But this guy, 20, you can't find a single team. I would love to know in NFL history, and it's going to take me some time to look at it. What three? You got, you got 30 minutes. What three? <laughs> I can't make him laugh with the allergies. Just <laughs> but find me a team that 21 out of 22 picks, or the last picks, contributed are still on the roster. And then, which you can't do, throw a pandemic in that list of those three years that had to deal with that, where there was no combine, only bloated pro day numbers, and still be right when everybody with the Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, that draft were so wrong. What he's doing? It's it, it is, it's not like they just do it and have them play. They're winning Super Bowls with that right. method, right? Well, that's what somebody on the text line says nine one three five eight six seven six ten. The thing about being drafted by a dynasty like this is everyone's level who can go up will go up. It's a hundred percent right. If you are drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs today. Versus being drafted by the Houston Texans today. You are not walking into the building the same person in both of those cities. You're just not. You may be the hardest worker. You may be the biggest self-starter, self-motivated. I'm going to be great. I don't care what stands in my way, son of a gun, in the draft class. But when you walk into the Chiefs facility and Patrick Mahomes is there and Andy Reid is there and Travis Kelsey, all these guys who perform at a championship caliber, you walk in saying, Holy bleep, I better bring it today. Because if not, like, they're not going to wait around for you. They're not going to cater to you, and they're not going to say, okay, well, this is our first-round pick, so we need to make sure we integrate him and everybody take care of him. It's none of that. There is none of that. You go to Houston, you want to piss off a little bit, go for it, right? Like, you can be, you can be a bit of a jerk. You can be, or uh, 2011 you can be a little lax. Like, right, you, there's just different levels of expectations, and once things really get rolling – that momentum picks up, that's how you all of a sudden you wind up and you look up and say, wow, we've got a great culture. How'd you build it? You built it by winning. This is why the Chiefs always kind of look at the Steelers like that in the Patriots. Because when you're drafted, it hits no training wheels. I call it the training wheels, but you play, yeah. just like you were saying, Nick. And, and I, you know, in this town I saw with the Royals, you know, they'd bring up Hosmer and these guys, and they had some time to play around and not be as great. But then come 14 and 15, you got called up from Omaha, you were expected to go in there and, compete and play because those guys in the roster were depending on you. It's the way I look at the chiefs. Now you're drafted. You get your chance to play. You're playing with the world champions. Just like these guys, when they took the phone call, when they were drafted by chiefs, they're like, okay, you're just now drafted by the world champions with Patrick Mahomes there. It's a little bit different than getting drafted by the lions. Yeah. And I think it provides a, a lot more competitive culture because they're trying to win. It's not about, hey, we'll take our time with you and we'll develop you. And, and certainly they are going to develop, but they're not going to do it in a game. They're not going to do it when, when you have results, standings on the line, a, a chance to go play for a championship on the line. They're not going to put you in that situation if you're not ready. And I, I think that this is a great environment to develop talent in because those guys know if they want to, A, earn a big lucrative second contract, and B, play on the field and contribute to winning, they're going to have to work hard outside of the games, in practice, in camps and whatnot. To yeah, improve. your talent is no longer enough. To it doesn't mean it. anything anymore. At this point now, you gotta you got to develop that talent into skill. 
And that, I think, is what is is the biggest reason why the Chiefs are in the position that they're in because they have this iron sharpens iron approach to how they develop their roster, and, and it's helped them win a lot of games. This is Character Concerns on 610 Sports Radio with Christian O'Sara, Jay Binkley, I'm Nick Schwer. Coming up next, we tell you the story of one man who put 500 pounds on a barbell and won the heart of one Kansas City radio host. This is an NFL Draft Special with the Character Concerns Podcast Crew. Subscribe and download today on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 610 Sports Radio. Coming down the home stretch here on Character Concerns. With Chris Nuno, Sarah J. Binkley, I'm Nick Schwartz. You can join the show on the text line 913-586-7610. What if I told you one man squatted 500 pounds? Is this man a Mustang? And became a Kansas City Chief. This is the story of Rasheed Rice, the Chief's second-round draft pick. Workout warrior. 55th overall. You know, when you see, like, Keandre Coburn squatting like 580. Yep. You know, he's 330 pounds. That's a big human. Um, he's a big, strong human. That checks out. When you see a 6'1", 205 wide receiver from SMU mm. who runs a 4'5", squatting 500 pounds, that'll make you do a double take. You draft him. You <laughs> You just, you don't think twice. Guess who's on our board, Mel Kiper Jr.? You run, don't walk to turn that card in. And that's what the Chiefs did. They didn't just draft Rasheed Rice. They traded up to draft Rasheed Rice. And you know what's interesting is they had their pick. Well, not I mean, he was the seventh wide receiver taken off the board this weekend. But there were some other interesting names. Like one of the names that I had mentioned several times was Marvin Mims who went, I think eight picks later to the Broncos. Um, there was a, some of those guys, some of the guys actually fell a little bit farther. Like Josh Downs, I thought might be, you know, around two guy. He wasn't, but the chiefs clearly valued what Rasheed Rice brought to the table. And I'm sure him attending camp Pat, which was sort of done incognito. We didn't really know about He's it. They saying didn't, they had a draft crush. I'm thinking somebody in that somebody in that building had a draft crush. Well, Clark Hunt went to SMU. You think that was it? Clark He's was the like, owner. Clark said, you know what? He said he went to games. You know what? Clark said, uh, he said, hey, Brett, you, you can trade out of the first round if you want. I don't care. But you have to draft a Mustang. Well, by looking at the stats, when Clark went to those games, there's a great chance he was the only one doing anything. Because <laughs> yeah. he had 59 <laughs> more catches than the second most on SMU. That is pretty insane. Because you know, if you want to, if you want to knock, if you want to find something to knock Rasheed Rice for, it's not that hard. You can knock his resume in terms of level of competition. There are some inconsistencies. There's drops. I mean, drops are certainly a concern. Twenty-seven touchdowns, just twenty-four drops in four years. Like that's not a great ratio to be operating with. But there's just as many things to get excited about. Right, the athleticism, the explosiveness. Chris, something that you brought up kind of in passing earlier. They weren't exactly running the most advanced offense that we've ever seen down at SMU <laughs> it was last the year. Plan, it, I, I'm sure in the huddle they were just like, 
Uh, Rashid, just get open. Yeah. Like, Mordecai's just, just pointing. Just just get open somewhere. Line up on that side and just find a way to get open. It it didn't really look very advanced. And and there's a lot of college offenses that are like this, but like typically at this level, it's pretty common that you'll see simplistic offenses, nothing too out of the and and a lot of times you have a hard time recruiting a bunch of good receivers to run a complex system. They, I mean, he, his route tree was almost non-existent. And, and it was, it's important to note, right? Sonny Dykes, who just took TC to the national championship game, he left SMU and yeah. in comes, I'd had to look this up, Rhett Lashley, who was in his first year last year, offensive coordinator at Miami. So there's a lot of change going on. I'm not like sitting here trying to go to bat for SMU football, but I'm just here to say Rasheed Rice wasn't exactly a guy who got to like go to this incubator and learn this offense and fine tune right, his skill set. Right. It's a brand new coach who comes in He's from right with there personnel that he didn't recruit and probably saw this really explosive, big, strong wide receiver on the outside and said, go get open. Just keep throwing it to him. That's well, basically what the plan was. I'll tell you, it's just kind of like what Chris is saying. When you go to high school and then you go to college, you have better coaches. It's just a better coaching staff. When you go to the pros, you have consistent. Andy Reid's got a consistent coaching staff. So if guys don't run the right routes real well, they're they're dropping the football. You get here and, you're, and it's different. You get here, you have a better quarterback, you got a better receivers coach, you have better talent around you, and Andy Reid's very consistent keeping coaches. I mean, there is a coaching difference that he jumps from SMU to Kansas City. That is a that is a major Grand Canyon sized gap when you talk about coaches from SMU to Kansas City. I'll I'll liken it to this: if you ever watch college basketball. There are these players who play for like the mid-major schools who are incredibly athletic and maybe they were a bit under-recruited or whatnot, but you see the athleticism on the court, but they don't produce as much as they could because basically it's just them running ISOs the whole time and so the defense is just focused on them. But then you get to the NBA. You get NBA-level coaching. You get veterans who help expand your game. And all of a sudden – you got good to, players next to you. Exactly. And you can tap into that talent more. I feel like that could be a situation here with Rasheed Rice, where we see the athleticism, and he did produce because all they did was throw the ball to him. But it's <laughs> literally. like, it's literally, it's all he did. But it's like, you didn't get to see him advance his game as well as we saw some of the receivers that went in the first round. And all Rasheed has to do now is just continue to improve around guys that are better than him and are better coached than him. And now he doesn't have to worry about being Superman. He can fill a role. And then as he, he improves and learns to be a better receiver, then maybe at some point he can be in a, a much larger part of the offense and be a major contributor. But I, I think right now we've got to understand that there's going to be a learning curve with them. Because he came from an SMU offense that looked like it, it really just it looked like a high school. For offense what it's almost. worth, for what it's worth, I mean SMU they play in the American Conference, so take this with a grain of salt. Twelfth highest scoring offense in football last year, they scored thirty seven points per game. Again, you know, they're in a conference with Tulane, so like they're like they're Tulane not, actually had a good defense. Okay, but yeah, maybe yeah. that wasn't the best. Example. Yeah, but there were other schools last year. I mean, the Green Wave. Yeah, rocking. Tulane was actually pretty good, but they have a, a lot of non-Tulane schools in they that play, conference. Yeah, as well. they play yeah. UCF. They play uh, they beat Memphis, Kansas State last year, South Florida, right? Beat, yeah. 
So they, he puts up numbers, they put up points, but it, it is not an advanced system that he's running. But this guy, like the physical traits are off the charts. And that is the reason that the Chiefs moved up to get him. And it, we talked so much about this wide receiver class because we knew it was a position that the Chiefs were going to target. And I, you know, after watching some of the tape on all these guys, I kind of found myself fatigued. I kept seeing these little 5'10", 185-pound, 180-pound receivers running around. And I said... I, you know, I'm done watching these guys. I, I don't listen. Zay flowers may end up being a great receiver, but if he is, he'll be the first of his kind because there aren't dudes running around the NFL who look like Zay flowers. So, like there, find me the five, eight, 175 pound dude. Who's killing it in the NFL right now at receiver. It doesn't happen. Jerry Waddle's almost that. He's like 195. Like Jalen Waddle. I, I thought it was like 180, 185, but that's the thing. Like it may seem like I'm nitpicking here, but it matters because there just aren't dudes under like 175 pounds who are succeeding in the NFL. And then you go through this and you see, okay, Josh Downs, Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, Jalen Hyatt, all these dudes are string beans. Like they're little shrimps. Can I get, is there one guy who looks like an NFL receiver? You, you got to think for big guys. Rasheed Rice. Yeah, I got to think. I got to think. think for big guy. You know what? I got to think for muscly men. Yeah, I got to think for guys with thunder thighs who can squat 500 you pounds do? with, you know what? And they go all the way down on those squats. But, but, it's, but it's interesting if you're the guy and you're the big fish in a small pond and you're catching everything because eventually you kind of, you don't worry about the routes as much if you're the guy and you're the only guy they have. It's like you're playing pickup basketball and somebody's scoring all the points. Yeah. Because he doesn't care about his skill set or whatever. He's not trying to do it because he's making all the points. He's the man. Like, that's what Rasheed Rice is now. It's coming here and getting more refined and concentrating more details of what you're doing. Yeah, he was like Dame Lillard at Weber State. Like, it was just him jacking up shots the whole time. He literally was the best basketball player in the court. By far. He was just, he was, so it's just like, get him the ball and he'll shoot. That's exactly what it was with Rasheed Rice. Just get him the ball and he'll score. And it was like, that's a lot of pressure on him. And it's simplistic and easy to do when you're the most talented player on the field. But it doesn't allow you to develop an advanced skill set. What do you guys think he becomes? What do you guys, real quick, we got, I know we got to take a break, but like, what do you think is the, what would be just like a successful barometer for Rasheed Rice over the next three or four years? If he can produce maybe a little bit better than what Sammy did with the team when he was healthy, like if he can become an 800 yard per, per season player, I think that's a resounding success for him, especially because if he's 800 yards receiving, you would think you would hope that either Tony or Sky Moore would become the thousand yard guy. And then you would hope that maybe they develop another tight end as well in the future. If he can turn into that 800 plus yard per season guy, I think that's a pretty great success, especially for his kind of kind of skill set. And the fact that he's not going to be the, the more dynamic talent in the offense he's not going to get the more dynamic role there so I think if he's that I'd be happy with it well if you lead the nation in receiving yards per game and your only guy what 18 catches over 20 yards if he could come in even just like get 600 650 this year but if he Juju was going to get a thousand yards this year if he played all the game wouldn't hurt yeah like if you say okay year two or year three I want a thousand yards from him because ideally what you want from him is to be a two at this point, unless you say, well, pie in the sky, you got to think, well, everybody should want to be a number one receiver. If he could eventually grow, because here's the deal, we know how much skill he has. Now, can he take what he did at SMU and refine it to the route tree in Kansas City? We're going to wrap things up on the other side. Chris Uno, Sarah J. Binkley, I'm Nick Schwartz. This is Character Concern, 610 Sports Radio. 
This is an NFL Draft Special with the Character Concerns Podcast crew. Subscribe and download today on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 610 Sports Radio. All right, wrapping things up here on a Monday night with the Character Concerns crew. I am Nick Schwert with Jay Binkley, Chris Unocero. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for hanging out with us really the past week you've had us at, at some in some form or fashion almost every single night over the last seven days i swear somebody asked me today somebody at the office was like are you are you happy the draft is finally over i go what what do you mean like do you think they made me do this do you think i mean like forced into this yeah. draft labor no like i wanted to do it no i'm not got happy. your family like, hostage somewhere yeah like, like keep no. talking just, draft just, just go evil knievel on their ass i said man you must not be listening because we're go, having fun with it just go evil knievel do you know who the hell i am that's what you say, Nick. Wait, evil you know, evil. Yeah, he once made that quote. I think it was Jim Rome. He said, Jim Rome had said, why you jump these fountains? Why you do this? He goes, Jim, do you know who the hell I am? <laughs> That's like when everybody says, why are you watching all these college games or why are you watching these games? That's a Chris, great interview question. Yeah, you right do. You say, do you know who the hell why I am? Why do you do what you do? Yeah. Why do you go home and drink beer and watch football? Just ask Patrick Mahomes. Why, you know, why do you play football? Do you know who the hell he That's is? a great question. Do you know who the hell he is? Why do you mock? Lucas Van Ness's dad. Do you know who the hell he is? You know what the beauty is? Like, I didn't. Chris, you got you got one guy, right? You got Felix in the first round. Yeah. I don't think I nailed one draft pick. I don't think you did. I had one, Coburn. But you know what I have a really tough time doing? I have a tough time committing to just one guy. So, like, I'll, I'll say, well, you know, if they, if they go wide receiver in the first round, they should take this guy. If they go edge rusher, they should take this guy. So, like, it depended on the day you asked me who they were going to take. I, I settled on Miles Murphy which was an aggressive pick in hi- in hindsight. It, it actually wasn't that bad. He got picked. What? Two it's spots. Pretty close. It's pretty close. But going into the draft, you know, if you pay attention to the boards, it would they would have had him, you know, go in early twenties, but you know, that's why you can only trust the boards so much. Well, snacks was my guy that actually got right on the third, third Coburn. Time. It wasn't the first couple. I was wrong, but this one, I had Anton Harrison as the first pick. I thought it might've come true. If he was still there, you think so? Actually, I well, think if he, if he was still there, I do think that they would have been a tough decision because they definitely want to tackle because they go that direction, but in an Oklahoma tackle, I mean, he was probably the best tackle they had last year. It would have been a tough choice between Felix and Anton because the Chiefs were going to get a tackle one way or the other. It would have been a tough choice, but I think I think having Wanye sitting there in the third probably made it a little bit easier to take. Uh, would have been easier to make it take Felix. So And Trey Smith, we, we talked about the Mahomes factor, the endorsement. What about the Trey Smith endorsement that you see in this draft? A hundred percent, they talked to him. They probably 100%. talked to Trey pretty extensively about Wanye. Should we call him the Trey Smith pick? By the way, clarification: it is Wanye, not Wanya. Yeah, Wanye. Okay. Wanye. Yeah, we. And it is Felix. Chris is on top of this. Stuff, I know. This <laughs> is my guy. If you have a question, Chris. Well, He's Chris is my guy for Alexa. Alexa. I, I mean, I've a, I I studied a lot of foreign language when I was in school. He's better actually, than Alexa. I actually majored in Japanese when I was in college. So really, can, can you speak Japanese? A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Really, tell us something. <laughs> Order a beer. Order a beer. How do you say? Can I have a beer? Uh, Biru kudasai. Damn, man, that's good. This guy's good, man. <laughs> Chris is good, man. No, I want to learn Japanese. Man. I do too. It's hard. It's hard. Don't waste your time. Well, no, we should really do a bilingual. Diff- we should make tough, this. Man. We should make this podcast incredibly bilingual. Incredibly difficult. Chris is multifaceted, man. Someone, that's the one thing people don't. It's like a draft pick that can do all these different that's right. things. That's right. Hey, people on the text line from the nine one three five eight six seven six ten. Someone says uh, schedule release party. Tell spec. Should we parlay this into a schedule release Dude. podcast? <laughs> you know, you know what's funny is I called it that with Pete Sweeney back in like 15, 16. Our old PD or uh, program director was here. 
I said, yeah. we got to have a schedule release party. It was after Vern in the Royals. I mean, it's like against the Twins, like it's 11 o'clock at night, 11.30, schedule release party. Mm-hmm. Now it's a big deal. It's a huge party. But it was being Pete, having a little party. Character Concerns crew hasn't gone anywhere. We're going we're gonna to no, stick we're around here. in some form. In fact, we're too, that's the problem. We're too successful to quit. We thought this was just going to be a flash in the pan. We are not all Will sudden, Levis. We are yeah. not Will Levis leaving the draft. Yeah. We, we set the bar too high. We had, we had a, too good of a senior season. Now. <laughs> this is not a hit it and quit it situation, man. We gotta we gotta come back. You know, this is, this is a double tap. We're coming back for seconds, kind of like uh, Lucas Van Ness's dad. You know, Lucas once- Van Ness is now my favorite guy. <laughs> really, well, really, or is it his dad? Well, he's, he's, you know, he's his dad. Not he him. is his father's say, son. But Lucas, could, Lucas, could get a I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know if, if Lucas out here tapping ass like his dad is. You know what, though? Lucas is going to turn into that. Yeah. Give it time. Like give it 20 years and Lucas will be doing that. Yep. Oh, that's going to be creepy. Yeah. <laughs> learn us from my dad. If he, if he, no, has no, 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 a, if he has a son that gets in the NFL, now. it is creepy. You you gave his dad a pass earlier. Now but you're saying no, it's going to be creepy if he does it's it. It's creepy if he does it because we know that he's just copying his dad. At that point, it's just a little weird. That was, like, smooth. that was smooth as hell, man. It, I mean, it, you know, it, I think it was incidental. For those who don't know, for those who don't know, Lucas Van Ness, edge rusher out of Iowa, he went 14th overall to the Green Bay Packers. He was not at the draft, uh, but they, when they went live to him after the Packers made the selection, his girlfriend, who side note is Cole Komet, uh, Chicago Bears tight end's little sister. <laughs> tight she's, end. They're, they're <laughs> I wonder if Cole sent a text. Like, they're all st- <laughs> what did your dad do to my sister? <laughs> they're all standing around hugging each other. In, in the living room of his house, and everyone's turning around trying to find someone to hug. And then at one point, <laughs> Lucas Van Ness's girlfriend stands up and hugs his dad, and the dad gives her a hug, and then he kind of reaches down, and he gives it a quick little flick of the wrist, like double tap on the butt. Just bup, bup, just double taps the ass, and then goes on with the celebration. Of course, Twitter caught a hold of it immediately and said, nah. It's a little dicey. It's a little questionable you know, double tap. You've there. seen stuff like this before, especially with kisses between dad and the girlfriend. But do you think dad is like this on Thanksgiving or Christmas? And they're like giving big time hugs. That's what really? I want to know. Is this and common? Lucas like, dad, what the hell are you doing, man? Is this he, a he common giving practice? Back cracking hugs. Yeah. If he does that, then I'm yeah, gonna stop bringing girlfriends around you, dad. Yeah. yeah. I can promise you this. That's not the first girlfriend that. That he has brought home that his dad has given an ass tap to. No. I think, it wasn't I just think a one tap. It, it wasn't was a, a if it was a solo tap, this would be a completely different conversation. Yeah, Chris, that, being the double I don't, tap, I don't, man, it's, I don't know about that. It's very intentional. I don't know about that. One tap, eh, give him a break. Two I think taps, it was a heat of the moment deal. Heat of the moment. Heat of the, moment. Of the moment. Hey, Chris. His son just got drafted. Chris, you should be expected to perform under pressure in high leverage situations. Man, is, his, is his dad uh, a professional athlete who performed under high level situations? I don't or is know. He just a dad. I don't know the background. I need to. I think you know, he lot, looks like. I, I guarantee you that that man has coached little league baseball based off the, the, the ass. Tap. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that is his first ass people, tap. Those are the people that tap asses are the, are the baseball guys. Like, you don't really see looking that. You don't really, you don't really see that. In, you don't really see that in football that much. Mm-hmm. Guys might look at you a different. Regardless, way. keep your girlfriend away from Lucas Vanessa's dad. <laughs> yeah, they need to wear <laughs> some protection. One valuable lesson here tonight. That's it. <laughs> They're gonna be like the the players in flag football when they're near the sidelines and they kind of like point their ass towards the sidelines. So you can't grab the flag. Hey, what's the Key and Peel? What's the name of the character in Key and Peel? Uh, 
Garcia. 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 Come and get your slap ass. Slap ass. Hey, where's your girlfriend, man? Yeah, it's like, hey. Lucas, where's your girlfriend, man? It's like, hey, that's the third tap tonight. And we've only been here for 45 minutes. So maybe drive her home. I'll take her home. You just rest here. No, Dad, I got it. I appreciate it. Father of the year. Maybe not quite wrapped oh, up for 2023. The coffee mug. I don't know. I don't know quite about best dad. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's a good note they did on boys. Hey, it's been what a hell of a week has been. Draft week is over, but I'll tell you what, rookie OTAs are starting up. Character concerns isn't going anywhere. We appreciate everyone who has been tuning in and listening with us over the past seven days. If you haven't already and you want more of this, you can check out our podcast wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Sixtensports.com. The I've, Odyssey I've app is available this. everywhere. I've enjoyed this. The podcast every so you get you and Chris are rock stars, Nick. Um, enjoyed uh, sitting there talking, doing drafts with you guys. You guys are awesome. Yeah, this has been this has been an awesome time. A lot we're of not, fun. We're not going anywhere. Character concerns is here to stay, just like Lucas Van Ness's dad. So go on and terrorizing d- asses. We gotta right. have him on next week. Go on to Spotify <laughs> and iTunes and double tap that subscribe button. I mean, after all, it's a draft thing. You know? That's right. He's Jay Binkley, Chris Unocero. I'm Nick Schwert. Thanks for hanging out with us on 610 Sports Radio. draft special with the character concerns podcast crew subscribe and download today on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts 610 sports radio